Hey everyone, it's Eves. Just wanted to let you know that you'll be hearing an episode from me and an episode from Tracy V. Wilson today. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to this day in history class from HowStuffWorks.com and from the desk of Stuff You Missed in History Class. It's the show where we explore the past one day at a time with a quick look at what happened today in history. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Tracy V. Wilson and it's October 10th. Lyudmila Pavlichenko died on this day in 1974. She was one of the most famous snipers in the Soviet Red Army. Lyudmila Pavlichenko was born not far from Kiev in 1916, and in her youth, she joined the Volunteer Society for the Assistance of Army Aircraft and Fleet. This was a paramilitary youth organization. It also involved a lot of patriotism and athletics. It wasn't so much a really volunteer organization, though, even though the word volunteer is in the name. Attendance was expected, and that's where she first learned to shoot. She got a certificate in marksmanship with the Volunteer Society for the Assistance of Army Aircraft and Fleet. She went on to sniper's school while studying at Kiev University. When Germany invaded the Soviet Union on June 22nd of 1941, Pavlichenko decided to put her training to use, and she tried to join the army. She was turned down, though, because she was a woman. She kept trying. They kept encouraging her to be a nurse, but she didn't want to be a nurse. She wanted to be a soldier. Not only did she want to be a soldier, she had the skills required of being a soldier. Finally, after all this persistence on her part, someone decided to give her a test. She was with a unit that was defending a hill, and someone pointed out two Romanians who were working with the Germans and told her to shoot them, which she did. She was then accepted into the Red Army's 25th Chapayev Rifle Division. In her first 75 days of service, she had 187 confirmed kills. And by the end of that service, that number had risen to 309. 36 of these were German snipers, some of which were effectively in duels with the enemy. From her point of view, especially when it came to the snipers, the work that she was doing was ultimately saving many other lives. She was also wounded four times in the line of duty while working as a sniper. Her reputation as a sniper really spread, and the Red Army started using her in recruitment materials and in propaganda. In 1942, she went to the United States to try to get some support from the United States for Russia's military efforts on the European continent. While she was in the U.S., she became very close friends with Eleanor Roosevelt. Although the press coverage in this tour, which there was a lot of, was really focused on questions about her appearance and what she was wearing, rather than her military service or the Russian efforts that she had come to the United States to try to get support for. After she returned home, she was promoted to major. She was named Hero of the Soviet Union, and eventually she was depicted on a postage stamp. After the end of World War II, she went back to school, and she became a historian. And then in 1957, while Eleanor Roosevelt was on a tour of Moscow, the two women were reunited This was something that Roosevelt had asked for again and again while she was planning this trip. When she got to Moscow, she kept asking her hosts, please, could she see Lyudmila Pavlichenko? After asking over and over, they finally agreed to let her, although at first they would not allow the two women to be alone together. It was, according to all accounts, a very joyful reunion among the two of them once they actually got to talk to each other. Lyudmila Pavlichenko died of a stroke at the age of 58. 
We talk about her along with five other women on the front lines in the May 15th, 2017 episode of Stuff You Missed in History class called Six Impossible Episodes, Soldiers, Snipers, and Spies. Thanks very much to Tari Harrison for all of her audio work on this podcast. And you can subscribe to This Day in History class on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Tomorrow, we will have the opening of a massive change to a major church. Hi, everyone. I'm Eves. Welcome to This Day in History class, a show that will convince you that history can be fascinating even when you expect it not to be. The day was October 10th, 1911. Revolutionaries in Wuchang, China, rebelled against the rule of the Xing Dynasty. The uprising marked the start of the Xihai Revolution, leading to the fall of China's last imperial dynasty and the establishment of the Republic of China. People in China and Taiwan, as well as Chinese people around the world, commemorate the anniversary of the Wuchang Uprising, also known as Double Ten Day. In the late 19th and early 20th century, the Xing Dynasty was struggling to maintain power as imperial powers asserted their dominance in Chinese territory. The opium wars between the Xing and the British government forced China to open treaty ports for international trade and forced China to cede Hong Kong to the UK, among other losses for China. And the first Sino-Japanese War led China to lose more territory, and China's defeat demonstrated its weakness. A reform movement popped up as the government lost prestige, but most of the reform measures were repealed. Disillusionment with Manchu rulers and the Xing dynasty reached a peak, and revolutionary groups began forming across China. Many of these groups banded together in Japan in 1905 to form the Tongmenghui, led by Sun Yixian, Sun Zhaorin, and Huang Xing. The Tongmenghui advocated replacing the Xing government with a Republican one. They rejected the gradual approach to reform that loyalists pushed for. The Tongmenghui led rebellions against the Xing in the years leading up to the Wuchang Uprising. Chinese people overseas helped fund revolutionary efforts in China, most of which originated in South China. In April of 1911, Huang Xing and other revolutionaries led a failed uprising in Guangzhou in southern China. In this uprising, like many of the others, the Xing army killed many revolutionaries and effectively put an end to the revolt. But even though the rebellions often failed, they still destabilized the control of the Xing dynasty. The uprising in Wuchang on October 10th turned into a nationalist revolt that spread around South China. It had its roots in protest against the Qing decision to nationalize two privately owned railways in central China. The Qing court suppressed resistance with armed force, and as the conflict surrounding the railway issue escalated, support of the Qing government continued to decline. The government stationed new army regiments in Hubei province, where Wuchang is located. But many of the people in the military in Hubei were revolutionaries or Republican sympathizers. Revolutionaries in the area began plotting an uprising against the Xing and stockpiling munitions. But on October 9th, a bomb accidentally exploded in a Hankou building, exposing the efforts of revolutionaries. 
So the next day, the Wuchang Regiment staged a mutiny, taking over government buildings and seizing control of the city. The day after that, the revolutionaries established a military government in Hubei province. Similar uprisings soon began in other Chinese provinces, which declared their allegiance to the Tongmanghui and agreed to secede from the Qing government. Sun Yixian was not directly involved in the Wuchang uprising, as he was traveling in the United States when it took place. But he returned to China near the end of 1911 and was soon elected as provisional president of the newly declared Republic of China. Though not long after, he turned the position over to Yin Shikai. The last emperor of the Xing dynasty abdicated in February of 1912, ending thousands of years of imperial rule. The Republic of China lasted until 1949, when the Chinese Communist Party proclaimed the People's Republic of China. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you haven't gotten your fill of history yet, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Podcast. You can also shoot us an email at thisday at iheartmedia.com. We're here every day, so you know where to find us. Bye! For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.